Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids, to our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep it all going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She's an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplaces that work for all employees. Well, so we have begun hearing from breadwinners, which is really great. I'm I'm so glad that this topic resonates with people other than just you and me as much as yeah. I do love talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know other people are interested yeah. too. It makes it better that's podcast. Right. Because that's our theory, right? And we knew yeah. that there were other people like us, men and women. You know, we often are talking about women, but, you know, it is the men too. But yeah. Um, and in fact, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is uh, men and women as breadwinners. Um, this is a topic that has really resonated and we heard a lot of uh, feedback on it is the question of, are you a chance breadwinner or a choice breadwinner. Yeah. And seeing as how I actually did a national survey and white paper on this at the Working Mother Research Institute, uh, we did it in partnership with PwC on this very topic. I wanted, uh, I wanted to spend some time on it because I really do love this topic a lot because I think it's, it strikes home specifically with, uh, well, it started in boomers, I'm sure, but I think of it as a Gen X topic because we're in the mix right now with mm -hmm. career, family, parents, the whole. Um, so, so we know the prime number, you know, our spirit animal number of our podcast is that Pew says that women are the sole or primary provider in four out of 10 households with kids. And now two thirds of those households, 67% are single moms. So of course they are the primary earner in their single parent household. Um, but you know, it's equal rolls up to be 40%. And so, um, that's a very interesting number on its face. But when we decided at the Working Mother Research Institute to go deeper, we did a big survey and we, um, talked to, uh, women who were the primary earners, not the primary earner, you know, the same or less. And we got a lot of data out of that. And one of the uh, interesting points when you start to unpack that 40% number is that more than a quarter of all the partnered working moms we surveyed said they out earn their spouses. I mean, I just want to say, we just need to acknowledge what a national treasure my podcasting partner here is. I mean, it's just <laughs> This is such a wealth of data, and it's so important that we have these numbers so we can understand kind of what what's contributing to where we're at right now, right? Well, so let's look at the survey data. So um, I just, uh, for our listeners, I just uh, dumped a whole lot of numbers on Raquel. So um, <laughs> I'm going to quiz her now. So Raquel, <laughs> yes. uh, how many breadwinning moms say they fell into this role by chance? How many? So I am going to say that it's about 50%. <gasps> 50%. Oh, 
This this is like so well scripted. Uh, <laughs> no, it's seventy two percent. So of the women that we spoke to, and we spoke to thousands, the women who who were the primary earner of their family, seventy two percent, almost three quarters of them said this just happened. You know, for whatever reason, and we're going to unpack some of those reasons. Um, uh, it was by chance, and by contrast, the dads, the breadwinning dads, um. Almost sixty percent said, "No, we planned it. We had a we had a sit down and we said, you know what, my my career is going to do this family better in terms of uh, earning potential. Okay, let's make this happen." Right. So, uh, what's the percentage of the women though who consciously? That part I was just going to jump into. So, twenty nine percent of breadwinning moms made a conscious decision to be the main earner in the family, and they say. They're more ambitious than their husbands, more dedicated to their careers, and more likely to be promoted. I think it's real. I think it, and I think that's, I, you know, um, some people like, like myself, I want to be the boss. (laughs) I like, and, and, and that comes with a lot of headaches, you know, managing people can be, it's, it's hard and and making sure projects get done on time as opposed to contributing into a team as opposed to having to lead the team. There's value in both parts. And so I totally get this when there are a certain cohort of, of working moms who say, no, I, I think I'm kind of, I'm into it. I want to be promoted. I want to go along the path. And so let's, let's do it. Yeah. Now, did you have this conversation? I think we've talked a little bit about this. Did you consciously have a conversation in your family? We we didn't have that conscious conversation. I think there was definitely subtext. Like we thought about kind of what career paths that I talked about. You know, my husband is incredibly creative and was really focused on, you know, doing these amazing uh, projects around international publishing and works in translation. Um, and so when I saw that, I think I had a choice between the, the different roads of psychology that I was going to go down. And I, I made the choice to go towards corporate um, organizational psychology as opposed to a different kind of psychology. So I think that was that was part of the conversation. I mean, it wasn't that I did that in response entirely. Like I really found, you know, was it, I found the field and find the field absolutely fascinating. Um, And I think in a lot of ways, it's a better fit for me to have, you know, these executive coaching relationships and then these kind of larger systems analysis um, rather than doing kind of more, uh, more one-on-one, you know, clinical work. Um, Yes. And I, um, while I know some stats, you know, I never really wanted to be a researcher. I did a couple years of of uh, research assistant work, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to play with these stats. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Um, so, so you know, I think it's. I think that was how we did it. But I, you know, I was thinking as we're talking about these stats, uh, I'm going to shout her out. I have a friend, two friends I've known for for uh, years and years and years since I was a kid, and. It's been fascinating. You know, they're both, both my friend and her husband are, are brilliant um, in very different ways. And she, when she was in college, she, uh, she started a dog walking business and he was doing, he was in a band, he was doing some um, 
you know, he was doing some teaching. He was doing some, he, he was touring with the band. And as, you know, he, the band ended up breaking up and he was doing some other teaching, but she, you know, this dog walking business that had been something to kind of get her by in college, uh, you know, that she loved animals, but she turned it into an empire. I mean, truly, wow. yeah. she, you know, he, he loves what he does. And she, she was just like, no, we got to grow this. So she's got, you know, they have a family, they're a family of five, the dog walking business. She's got a bunch of employees, um, that, that are, you know, doing the work yeah. for her. And then she's got, she just, you know, created, she got money, she raised money to create a huge dog park. And, you know, she's just been very oriented towards, I'm going to do this. Like this right. is, I'm going to see, she really did see it as a career, you know, where I think it, it started off maybe not that way. And then it quickly became, you know, the vision for her career became maybe the clearest um, out of the two of them. I'm, I don't know, but I, she just, again, cause they're both so brilliant, but she just kind of saw different ways to make it continue to grow. So I'm not sure whether, you know, I could ask her whether she thinks. Of yeah. Did they, yeah. When choice. did that cross over? Right. I, you know, our, our podcasting czar, Zarina, Molly Beck, who is our, yeah, oh, our lovely <laughs> name check our, our, <laughs> Our podcast arena at yeah. messy.fm. Uh, she sent us a, uh, an article, which we'll put in the show notes about, um, uh, social media. I, I don't know what, like digital phenom moms whose, whose careers as personalities in social media or YouTube or what took off and it became the family business. And it, and yeah. I think that's always interesting when, um, and it could be the, uh, the man or whomever in your family, <laughs> the kid launches some business and we're all like, you know, in it that when the family kind of get, comes together, I'm always fascinated by those stories. Like we're all gonna, I'm going to give up, you know, my corporate job and we're going to go all in on this entrepreneurial business, yeah. you know, well, I, fascinating. So that's a piece that I want to, yeah, there's another um, person who's actually very much in our field. Her name is Anna Stephanie and she, uh, she worked for Microsoft for a while. And um, I think that's right, Anna. I'm not sure you could correct me. And her <laughs> husband um, had a career that, you know, was really going strong. And she, they actually lived in Germany for a couple of years, I think working for Microsoft and she got this extensive maternity leave there. And when she came back, she saw how, you know, how different it is for us in the States. And so she created a tool called leave logic, which allows companies. Oh to, yes. Right. To, right. to track um, and, and help guide their employees through the leave process. And it's actually some States have taken on, it's really blown up. And her husband um, left his job eventually to kind of, to work with her, to join the business. So I think what, um, what's really fascinating to me as we talk about this, it's sort of dawning on me when we talk about chance or cheat, chance or choice, chance or, anyway, is, is that so much of this is about developmental, you know, how do our lives shift, right? Um, I'm a big fan of Gail Sheehy's passages. She talks about us in different decades of our lives um, and kind of what motivates us when. And, you know, I think who knows whether my friend Sarah really saw that dog walking, you know, when it shifted from being a dog, like a dog walking gig to like a, an empire. right? Yeah. And who knows, you know, and Anna might not have been, 
you know, who I don't know what their what their dynamic was before this business took off. So, you know, I think we have to I think there are pieces where there's planning, there's talking about things um, in a partnership. And then there's, you know, life and how right. things unfold. And I think there's, you know, I think we we do try to try to plan as much as we can. And then, you know, circumstances change for a variety of reasons. Right. Most definitely. And, and we were talking, uh, one of our, our readers wrote in and talking about being a breadwinning mom with a stay-at-home dad. It, uh, Pew says that, let's see, that they've gone, the number has gone up uh, to 7% from 4% uh, since 1989. So it's a modest increase, they call it. Now the share of mom staying at home is virtually unchanged at 27% uh, in 2016. Yeah. So I, do you think, I don't know, is it a leap to say that the rise of breadwinning moms, I mean, is, is fueling this a little bit? I, it's, there's so it's much happening. The, 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 the slight rise. Stuff? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. When I moved um, to the city, I did a workshop for um, for a bunch of business owners in the design space around business development and how do you, you know, how do you, having had startups, I could kind of talk about that um, different than management consulting, but, but still a cool thing to do. And I talked to, there were a bunch of architects and designers in there. And one of them, you know, I was talking, I was asking them about their demographic, you know, who, who's your sort of target client? Who's your, you know, who are you looking to, to work with? And this was the most amazing thing. She said, in this town, it's breadwinning moms and stay at home dads with a strong design sense. And I was like, wow, I was like, you can really make that broader generalization. And I will say that it happens to be that here I do see a lot more stay-at-home dads than I do than I did in Brooklyn. Really? Because uh, I know a lot in Brooklyn. It's, it's a yeah, common, I know a lot too. Common but- with the creative, you know, and stay-at-home dad and stay-at-home mom kind of in, will often imply that there's no revenue coming in, but that that's actually yeah. you know it, nearly everyone I know is doing something. But it's often someone with a it this the the generic stereotype that I notice is uh, it's a creative professional who's home and has way more flexible and is probably working out of their home. And then the more corporate partner, but I don't know if that's true. That might be your Brooklyn thing. I don't know. No, I think that's, that's largely true. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I've definitely seen, I've seen kind of, I don't want to say cartoonish representation of that, but like I've definitely seen yeah. seen that in a in a very pronounced way in Brooklyn in a different way mm-hmm. than I see it here. Um, maybe not, you know, not the wives aren't necessarily making four hundred thousand a year while the you know while the husband, that is the thing. <laughs> I definitely knew them in Brooklyn um, while the husband's making less or the partner's making less. I I you know I think that. I think that it depends. It depends kind of what, what environment folks are living in and what they feel, you know, what their industry is and what the level, you know, what the expectations are, um, of kind of 
putting in that extra mile and and being less maybe available to do pickup and drop right. off and kind of having less flexibility. And so therefore, hopefully that's going to yield more money in the salary, but less time. So someone's got to be, got to be home. Yeah. yeah. Well here. And so here's the thing that um, was a, a big finding. I, and I was not surprised by this because we had seen it in play out in other surveys we had done at working mother, but no matter what reason, you know, either, um, uh, your partner lost their job or, um, going back to school for something or is it, is just, you've decided that your career is got more ascendant or for whatever reason, it doesn't even matter what the amount of your salary is. Um, but if you, you don't embrace your role as a breadwinning mom and, and mm. own it and, and take it, um, you're not as happy though. The women, we right. saw this, it did not matter what the salary level was um, that if you see your work as a career and you see it has value and it's not just a paycheck, you know, I'm just like, you know, yeah. I'm forced to earn money and I'm, I don't, I don't know people talk like this, but yeah, I'm like rolling my eyes, but um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, making the money or I'm just working until, and I'm nah, 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 until the, the women who say, Hey, I'm the primary earner. Uh, I'm proud to be the primary earner. Now let's have a real conversation about what that means in this family. And, and right. I, and, and I mean that not even like, look at me, I make so much money, but look at me. I'm working. Okay. I need everyone around us right here to step up on the dishes yeah. and all the things that, that go into running our family. Those women are remarkably more satisfied right now than the women. Yeah. Even women, I'm sure, pulling in like six figures or whatever, who are ch by chance and aren't embracing it and saying, oh, my God, I am the primary earner. What are we going to do about this to support this situation for our family? And I find that fascinating. And I'm I'm not surprised, I think. Yeah. No, I think that that absolutely makes sense. Um, you know, what I wonder about is, you know, the. I'd love to see the data cross-referenced here, right? So like if if someone's spouse lost their job and they became the the Ooh, breadwinner. Yeah. Like because they may not have thought about their career that way, right? Or they might yes. thought, might have thought of themselves as kind of just going for a paycheck. And then what happens? Does that, you know, does that do those people feel like they are, you know, just having to work now and it's more of a burden than it is a career, you know, more of a job. Yeah, it's not career. somehow not as serious or, or valuable, or, you know. Or do they feel more pressure? I mean, I think it's, it's, I think that's an interesting piece because again, I'm going to go back to the idea. I think that we have certain things that we plan for and certain things that, you know, just happen as industry shift. And, you know, I, I think, I think it's interesting to think about, well, how, if, you know, if you are put in a position or, you know, by default, if you end up in a position where you are the breadwinner, um, you know, how, how do you go through, you know, that, that transition mm -hmm. um, and get to the point where you are, you are feeling like you're owning this new identity, right? Right. Which is really easy to say and really hard to do in real life. You know, I, I totally, it's, 
the minutes everyone starts, I work from home and the minute everyone starts gathering, there is a momentum that happens in the evening where it's just like, what needs to be done right now? It's so it's, it's hard to have those like, okay, you know, I, I get all fired up about, you know, we should be supporting these people who are the primary earner and helping with the chores and all that sort of stuff. But I also know it, whenever I've, I've had to broach that subject and have that conversation, it takes us weeks. I mean, we're dealing with the college search right now. It took me like months to kind of get my mind ready for it, clear off the decks enough to like really be in it. um, I don't think these conversations are easy because who has the time? But I think they're incredibly valuable. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about the conversation so much, although that's important. Like I think I'm thinking about because I want to separate the emotional labor piece from the career, re- the realization that the career is driving you and therefore you're more- The internal um, dialogue. Yeah, the yeah. internal dialogue. I mean, so I'm going to go to my my management consultant theories, but there's a, there's a guy named William Bridges and he talks about, uh, you know, the difference between change and transition and the fact that transition is something that we- go through, it's a process, right? So we, we go through these three phases, um, maybe not linearly, but, you know, ending. So letting go of, you know, maybe the, about, you know, of your identity, maybe as not, not, uh, not seeing yourself as the career and then moving through and being through this very, you know, disorienting time where you're like, I don't know, am I the breadwinner now? Like, <laughs> Like that ended. And then the new beginning where you're like, Oh, I got this. Okay. This is like, I am really in my career. Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm just curious about that. And then, you know, the emotional labor stuff, I think is this other part because it won't change. Even if you have that emotional labor part, if you've got this vision of yourself as, you know, working on this career and looking at, you know, how to, how to go bigger and, and really invest more, I think it's a, it's a different dynamic, I think. That's interesting. Cause you do often think as, as a writer, you know, when you're doing these reports and, and you, even when you do the survey to find people and then defining who are the people you spoke to, you're constantly trying to make these parameters and definitions and put people into boxes. And it's very hard, you know, like is a, oh, yeah. is a bread, is the primary earner someone who makes a dollar more? Is it $2 more? Right. You know, right. and then. Right. Is it someone who's making more because they made more right now? But in the mm-hmm. previous, like, 10 years, the other made, you know, like, all it, it's, yeah, I think you're right. And and so it's sometimes your, your, your thinking, your own internal dialogue needs to catch up with where you really are. I, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, what's interesting is when I start, I've got a big, big confession time. Um that when I started doing coaching with women in transition during this period, particularly women, although men too, I was really, and maybe this is my like being burned by my years of research assistant and deciding not to really be <laughs> Boy, that a was researcher. Really a dramatic but, time in your life, man. No, it wasn't. It was just like, man, I don't want to do this because I didn't like putting people in different boxes in. But um, so I didn't like stats because people would say, you know, particularly the stats around, you know, if you choose to have a child at this time, like oh, the stats yes, that yes. 
Yep. You know, or if you if you don't, these are this these are this is the likelihood you're going to make X amount of money. I mean, all of that is really important, but I always felt like it really was, um, you know, driving people's behavior maybe not in the most helpful way. Mm-hmm. But you know, as I've as I've come over the past you know 15 years that I've been working on these issues, I feel like, oh, I love stats now. I think there's so much to be, to learn from them, but I think it's, you know, I think that there are times where, where we can't really see, we see these big numbers and kind of, we think about, oh, is that what I should do? Is that what I should do? And then, you know, thinking about the nuances I like, because, you know, I'm, I'm, part of my job is to talk to a lot of those people and then hear the nuances of their stories, which is why we want to hear from all of you to hear what, you know, what's your experience? Dive, dive a little bit deeper into the, into the chance and choice experiences that you've had. Was it, you know, pre-planned? Did you, was it something that evolved? We want to hear it. So, and, and have you thought about it? You know, have you, do you continue to think about it? And, and is your internal dialogue catching up with you? Because I, I like that concept a lot. So, well, thanks for joining us today on The Breadwinners. Whether you're a chance or a choice breadwinner, we hope your internal dialogue has given you time to spend with us <laughs> and that you'll share your own story with us at The Breadwinners Podcast. How are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about The Breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.